From the Gospel according to St. Matthew, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every infirmity among the people. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. All through Epiphany, I try to ask myself, how is Jesus Christ shown, manifested to us in these Epiphany passages? That's what the season is supposed to be about. We now know that God is incarnate, and this Jesus is he. Epiphany should answer the questions, now that he is here, What is he like? What does he do? Why is he here? We should come through Epiphany Tide with a clear picture of his person and his purpose. The Eucharistic lectionary should do that for us. So I looked ahead to see what's there in the rest of Epiphany. I am going to be like one of those people who tells you the end of the movie before you've had a chance to go and see it. So I'm the spoiler. Here's what I found. Since we're already in the third week of a seven and a half week season, we know that he is proclaimed the savior of the world, even though he's a baby. He's proclaimed the son of God at his baptism. He's claimed as the Messiah to St. Peter by his brother, St. Andrew. He begins his teaching and preaching by delivering the Sermon on the Mount. He teaches that the fulfillment of the law is the way to get to heaven, and that the law must be fulfilled by your behavior, and more importantly, in your heart. He calls us to perfection, to become one with God. Those are all the ways that we are going to set to see manifested for us. So what about this morning? This morning we have Jesus making known that when he is present, God's kingdom is present. We come to know that his time here in the world, for now is to make it known to all who will listen that in him the kingdom of God is with you. He does this largely by performing miracles, preaching, and teaching. Do you want to be in the kingdom of God? Go to Christ. The gospel tells us that at the time John the Baptist was arrested, here's what the gospel says, John gets arrested, and then we hear, Jesus began to teach, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus begins his earthly ministry with the same words that John the Baptist used in his ministry. John said that one would come after him and fulfill his ministry, and it's Jesus doing just that. John goes to prison. Jesus picks up his ministry of repentance and uses it as the way to come into the kingdom. 
that is now present because Jesus is present. It's wonderful to see the way the gospel is presented to us. It's yet another part of God's perfect plan for revealing his son to the world. So what does Christ do to present the kingdom to us? Remember that part of that presentation is simply his presence. The kingdom of God is in and with him. So just by being here, coming into the world, being present, the kingdom of God, that God the Father has sent him here, presents the kingdom. Beyond that, his earthly ministry can be summed up in his actions of preaching, teaching, and healing. When we read about how Jesus practiced his earthly ministry all through the four Gospels, he did those same three things. He preached, he taught, and he healed. You can find that in all the four Gospels. But our St. Matthew captures all three actions in one verse. We just heard verse 4 of chapter 23. Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every infirmity among the people. There we have them, nicely in one verse. When we see Jesus about that business, then we know that he has established his kingdom. He's bringing people into his kingdom. He's preparing people for the kingdom. Here's the good news for us. If we know and believe that his work of bringing people like us into the kingdom continues even to this day, hasn't stopped. By the power of the Holy Ghost, alive and driving the church, we know that Christ's work continues. Wherever the church is, there is the body of Christ doing the work of the kingdom. So look at what the church is doing. And you're going to see evidence of the kingdom of God. And when you look, you're going to see it every day. Are people repenting and being baptized? Are people being converted or reconverted to Jesus Christ? Are people still being called to the ministry, just as we heard those first disciples called in the gospel, Peter and Andrew, James and John? Do we see and hear of miracles, medical miracles, and miraculous spiritual healings? Are there those who are hungry and yet being fed? Is the church helping those in need? It's clear that the answer is yes to every question. It's wonderfully confirming and uplifting to see the evidence of the kingdom of God all around us. We need to know, and we need to be reminded by St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, that it's in the nature of this kingdom that's here in the world now, there's a way in which it's not fully present as it's going to be at the last great day when Jesus Christ comes again to claim his kingdom.
No, we are in a stage where we have to say that the kingdom is here already, but not yet here as it's going to be fully. So here in the world, in this part of the kingdom, there are divisions in the kingdom. St. Paul tells us about them. St. Paul describes to the Corinthians that divisions among the faithful are enemies of the kingdom. The word is schism, and schism means discord. It's a word that metaphorically is the opposite of what St. Paul in his letter to the Romans calls care for one another. Discord, care for one another. Just look in the first, in first Corinthians 12, 25. Flip over a few pages from the gospel passage that we just heard today. And when division is in and among the members of Christ's body, it's division that is against Christ. Because the end and the purpose of the kingdom is unity. In the letter to the Corinthians, people are dividing themselves into little groups, probably determined by who's baptized them. Paul or Apollos, Cephas or Christ. Paul directs them by letting them know that when they're baptized, they're not baptized into these little groups. They're baptized into one body, Jesus Christ's body. Paul asks, or it seems that he's more pleading at this point. Is Christ divided? The answer is no. Well, this is a great lesson for us. Those of us who are in the church are not to be determining for ourselves whom to follow. We don't go around picking our own leaders. Doesn't work that way. Christ is our only leader. And through his church, his body, he is going to provide leaders for us. That's the way we roll in the kingdom, at least in this part of the kingdom. So we should always be careful in the church to work toward unity. Before we do anything concerning our parish, we ought to ask ourselves the question, is this going to unite or is it going to divide? Before we say anything to our brothers and sisters, we ought to think, is this going to cause discord, schism, or is it going to show that I care for my brother or my sister? The next question we can ask ourselves is, when people see what I do or hear what I say, are they going to come to the conclusion that I'm a follower of Christ? It's going to be quite clear once you've thought and meditated on that question. Ours is to answer the call of Jesus, just as he called Peter and Andrew, James and John. Wasn't it wonderfully immediate when Jesus called them? Come. They stopped what they were doing, and they went with him, the leader. 
Then others might say, if we follow as Peter, James, Andrew, and John, then others could see by our actions, preaching, teaching, and healing, that we are indeed a follower of Christ. And maybe, just maybe, when they see that, they will become Christians too. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.